Hey, Wes, uh, Wes did a great job of setting us up for today. We're talking, um, we're, we're talking about the vision, the mission of Christ Community Church. And um, several people have kind of asked me, how are you doing today? And today is a, a really unique day. Um, today is a day where there are years of conversations and um, life change stories that are all kind of coming together in this moment of, of sending. And, um, and so if, if you're here for the first time today, we're excited that you're here with us, and um, we're going we're gonna to let you know how you take next steps with us, um, but we're also going to take some time to, to tell the story, to tell the story of Jesus and to tell the story of Christ's community a little bit. And so um, we tell stories each week at CCC. Typically, it's a person who's telling the story of what God has done in their life, and today we just want to take a moment to celebrate the story of, of what God has done in Christ's community and and what we see coming down the pike. So um, if you would, find Acts chapter 13. Find Acts chapter 13 in your Bible. If you need a Bible, there's some on our giving tables there in the back. And while you guys are finding that, um, I want to go ahead. This is, this is like out of place for us. But I want to go ahead and do this because after we, we talk about our next steps, then um, we're going to kind of be spending the rest of the day celebrating Jesus, celebrating the gospel, and sending this team. So um, here at Christ Community, every week we talk about taking your next step. And your next step is, is going to be different than the person who's sitting beside you. And so um, what we've done is we've recognized kind of four big steps that everyone has to take. And so um, we want to just let you know how you might take those right now. And then um, we're going to jump into the text and see what God has to say to us. So um, at Christ Community, we talk about four steps. There's our first step, step in, step up, and step out. First step is something uh, that we think everybody, everybody's first step is to trust Jesus and to explore baptism. And uh, each week at 9 o'clock, um, we have uh, the, that class, that time where you can come, you, we can get to know you, you can get to know us, ask questions, learn about who Jesus is. Uh, step in. Uh, our very first step in event is today after church at noon. And so if you're sticking around for that, uh, you can stay, uh, be right around by the coffee bar right there. And uh, today they're going to be serving by... Uh, making some capes for Coast Air Children's Hospitals is going to be a cool, cool thing. And what this is all about is that we believe after everybody has st- taken their first step with Jesus, they need to step into the community of the church, find a community group. And so you can go to loveshelbyville.com slash group, and there's about 15, 16 groups there. One that's starting this week is super cool. Where's, where's my man Jeff Ware in the Hawaiian shirt? He's a big guy in a Hawaiian shirt. You can't miss him. He's starting a group this week on Fridays. Um, and their whole mission is to, to love and serve the Shelby County uh, High School football team. And so they're going to meet at 530, pray, and uh, continue to explore what it means to share the gospel with them and then love on them. So that's a neat group that's starting Fridays at 530. Uh, and then, of course, step up, uh, becoming a member of the first class of September 11th. So that's a little bit about what it looks like to take a next step. And this is kind of out of place, but I wanted to make sure and hit that today before we, before we jump in. So... Um, we're going to dig into uh, the story uh, in Acts 13 and Acts 14 of Paul and Barnabas being sent out by the church at Antioch. And so as we do that, we're going to answer three questions uh, that apply to us here at Christ Community. And the first is this, why plan a church at Midland? Why plan a church at Midland? How will this church move the mission forward? And then what can I do to join the mission? So we're going to explore those three questions um, but first, uh, let's, let's pray quickly and ask God to speak to us through his word. 
God, we just, uh, we just ask and pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, that you would uh, guide us, that we would understand what it looks like to go and to send and to be on mission with you. And so, God, we trust you to speak through your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, real quick, let me get it. Where's the Midland folks? They took some of their seats. They just raised their hands. No excitement. So that's, uh, that's going to be the difference in the two churches. Over there, there's no clapping. There's no singing, no excitement. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, all right, you want a second chance? Where's our folks from Midland? They, yeah, and there's a couple over here, but most of them took back their chairs over here. I said, guys, just letting you know, there's some people who've been sitting there. You might make them mad. So we got our folks from Midland, uh, several new faces, several from Governor's Square, and several from the, the very original launch team at, at Christ Community Church that launched at Southside Elementary on 10-10-10. So, cool. Uh, let's jump in. Let's jump into the text. Acts 13. In Acts 13 and 14, we read uh, the story of the church at Antioch. Now, here's some things that we need to understand about Antioch. Antioch was, was one of the first places where the good news of Jesus Christ was told to the Gentiles. Gentiles are people who are not Jews. They were outsiders, right? Um, it, it was a place that everyone was talking about in the church because God was doing something there that had never been done before. Uh, he was, he was, they were seeing people who weren't Jews come to know Christ and come to know the gospel. And so uh, because of all this hoopla, right, like they kind of, like everybody, they were the buzz. And because of all that, the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas to go and see what was going on. And on the way, Barnabas picked up this guy named Saul. Saul, whose name had been changed to Paul. Now, Saul had been hanging out in Tarsus because God had changed his life. God had changed his life from being somebody who killed Christians to somebody who said he wanted to go and share the good news of Jesus with people. And so I don't know if, uh, I don't know if this is like an underhanded play of the early church to be like, hey, we don't want that guy that's killing Christians, so take him on to Antioch. I don't know if it was one of those or what was going on, but these two guys end up in Antioch, and the church continues to grow. It goes crazy. And um, what we see is about a year later, uh, the, 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 this place, the church there is growing like crazy, and it says it's the first place that people were ever called Christians. And so Antioch is like the hot spot, right? It is, it is the place where the church is buzzing. They are pioneers. They are out there on the front edge. And, and just as everything is, is going right, like they could have stopped right there, right? Uh, they would have made history. It was a place where they were first called Christians, a place where they were first Gentiles who heard the good news. They were, they, like, they were in forever. They were cool. They could have rested on that. But they didn't. They didn't. And that's where we pick the story up in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, the first two verses, it says this. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You see, the leaders, the, the pastor elders at Antioch were continuing to worship God. They were continuing to, to seek God out, to, to want to hear from Him and to hear from the Spirit. And as they were praying together and fasting and worshiping, God speaks in the middle of that devotion to Him through the Holy Spirit and says, there's something more. All these cool things the church at Antioch has done, the, all the ways you've pioneered, and He says, there's, there's something more. And it brings us to our first question. Christ Community Church why plant a church at Midland? For the very same reason that Antioch chose to do more. 
because God has called us to it. It's really that simple. But it's important, right, when we're called that we, that we get some affirmations of that, some, some reasons, that, some evidence of that calling, uh, some ways that God has affirmed and assured us that this is the case, that God is calling us to this. Number one is, is this. Um, the original launch team, and you heard Wes talk about this, as they prayed and sought God for the vision of Christ Community Church, one of the things that they had said was that we want to be a church that plants churches. We want to be a church that sins, that goes and sins. And so um, for a long time, we really had no clue what that would look like because you're just worried about, are we going to have enough people to meet? And like, are we going to get the school set up and all this crazy stuff? Um, but it was a part of the original vision. And, and along with that, the vision of, of Christ community has been very driven by a statistic, a statistic that reminds us that 87% of Shelby County is unchurched. More than four out of five people aren't, aren't connected with the body of Christ. That's somewhere between 35 and 40,000 people. That's a lot. And when we think about that number, it gives, us, it gives us some purpose and some why to planning another church. God didn't call us to build a church, you see. God is the one who gives the growth to the church. God called us to reach a city. He called us to plant the gospel seeds in, in cities and in our community and in, in the places where it's not being heard. If that's going to happen, it's going to take more than us, right? It's going to take more than just this one little room of people to reach the 35 or the 40,000 people that aren't connected to the body of Christ. And the other thing is, is simply that when the mission is healthy, it multiplies. That's, uh, you know, healthy things grow and multiply. Uh, there was a, a quote this week uh, from a preacher named Jeff, Jeff Christofferson who specializes in church planning, and he said this. He said, if you're going to reach a city, you don't need to be a mega church, but a mother church that multiplies. And so that's the heart of what this looks like, is that uh, we're to be sharing the gospel, spreading the good news, creating uh, communities and churches that, that are celebrating that good news each week and trusting that God will bring the growth in that. Reason number two. Just as the pastor elders at Antioch were worshiping and praying and, and hearing when God spoke, the same is true for our pastor elders. There's a, a great group of, of leaders that God has brought into that room. You know, we had not been in this uh, building very long. We moved in this building um, Easter of 2014. And we had not been in this building very long when um, we saw people coming to Jesus, coming back to the church. And it struck us in one meeting that there were people in our community that as big of a building as we might build, as big of a space as we might see happen, uh, we might never, there, there were people who might never come and hear about the good news of Jesus here. And, and we were really challenged by that. And, and the more that we begin to pray and seek God in that, he really began to burden our heart for people not like us. People not like us. How are we going to reach people not like us? And that's when he began to, to really stir in our heart about church planning and, and how we multiplied the mission and sent leaders out. The third thing is, is simply this. As we've kind of stepped out into this, God has provided um, God has provided a ton of resources and partnerships and people and relationships that have encouraged us to keep stepping out towards Midland. Um, we, we've gotten access to fields and to buildings um, with, with little or no hesitation. We've partnered even more deeply with the schools. Um, God has sent some incredible people to be a part of this launch team that we're going to get to meet here in just a little bit. Um, God sent leaders in, in Philip and Loretta, uh, the divines, who, who grasped this vision of going outside towards people uh, not like ourselves for the sake of the mission. God sent leaders like Bobby and Jamie 
Bobby and Jamie who have abandoned themselves, right? They have abandoned the life that they once knew for the sake of being a part of, of the kingdom movement and the kingdom mission. God sent leaders like Sue Ellis, who is using her skill of teaching Spanish to figure out how to move the gospel towards people not like us and who maybe don't speak our language. God sent Thomas, right? Old Thomas comes to Shelbyville. He's here, yeah. Thomas accepted Christ just a short time ago, and he was baptized earlier this month, right? And he's in. He is in to see the gospel multiply. It's good. I mean, I could go on, right? Like, we could detail every person of the team. I could do that. Um, It's a great team. And here's the thing about that team. You ask anybody on that team if they would have seen themselves as a team before all this started, and I think they would say no. And what that points to is that only God could have pulled this team together. Only God could have done it. And it becomes even more an affirmation of, of God's calling on Christ Community Church to be a part of his mission here in Shelby County. So why plant a church at Midland? Because God called us to. And what God originates, God orchestrates. What God originates, God orchestrates. In other words, as he's starting this and calling us to it, our job is to be obedient and faithful in it, and he'll take care of the details. He knows the answer to the question, how will this church move the mission forward? So what do we think that looks like? In the story of Acts 13 and 14, it goes on. And as we, as we dig into this story, I think we see three steps to how the mission moves forward in principle. And we can figure out the rest as we go. The first step is sending. Uh, verse 3 of chapter 13 says, Then after fasting and praying, the, the leaders had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And they sent them off. Today, all of us are going to have an opportunity to be a part of a sending like that where we pray with and for this launch team and send them off. Send them off. You know, when we were seeking God for next steps, um, you know, God, what do we do when we fill up this space at Governor's Square? What does that look like? God introduced me to a really powerful question through the ministry of a guy named J.D. Greer. And the question was this, church, what if your sending capacity was greater than your seating capacity? What if your sending capacity was greater than your seating capacity? What he was getting at is, what if you sent more people out to to further the mission, to to see churches grow, to see churches planted? What if you sent more people out than what you could hold in one room? Do you think the mission would grow? It's a really powerful idea, but it brings about a lot of hard questions. Sending Midland has been this this really, um, quite frankly, it's a long process. We've learned a lot. We've grown spiritually a lot as leaders and as a church. We've learned about people not like ourselves in our community. And, and there's also the harsh reality of like, hey, Midland folks, when you're not here, like there's 30, 35 empty seats that, that are just kind of sitting there staring us in the eye. Sending is hard in a lot of ways. But guess what? We believe that Midland is just the first time that God is going to call us to sin. Go and sin, go and sin. What if God is getting ready to send you to plant a church that reaches lost people? What if he's getting ready to send you to to something bigger than what you could have ever thought or asked or imagined? I heard a story on a podcast podcast this week uh, about a guy named Jim. Jim was a part of a church in Long Beach, California. And the pastor there in Long Beach, um, he, he had really gotten around this idea of being a church that sends, going and sending, going and sending. And so um, they had grown their church, or God had grown their church to 700 people, and they only had 39 parking spots. That's the grace of God right there. I just, <clears throat> if I had to park down the, the street, I'm not sure I'm coming. 
But anyway, they'd done it. And um, he said, you know, the first five years of this, Jim was that guy that sat in the back row, didn't say anything, and I couldn't get him to do anything. He said, Jim just sat back there. He said, I kept asking him to do different things. And he was like, nope, nope. He said, five years in, I get the guy to hand out bulletins at the door. And he said, um, you know, during this whole time, we're having, we're having church planters come in and they're preaching. And, and when they get done preaching, we're standing beside them. And we're saying, we believe that God is calling us to join this guy in, in leading a team of people to go and launch a church, to plant a church. And we think that some of you are called to go with him. And they were sending people out by the droves. Jim's sitting in the back row. And one day, preacher comes up, they do that, and Jim says, I'm going. And they were like, Jim? Jim is going? A month later, Jim was the associate pastor of this new church, and today he is getting ready to preach the sermon that says, God has called us to go and plant a new church. You never know what God can use or do in and through you when you just choose to be faithful and obedient to what he's calling you to do. God is in the business of sending people to take the gospel to people who have not yet trusted Jesus. And clarity for us at CCC came on that when we read a little further into Hebrews 13, which is the chapter that, that, that birthed the vision for our church. Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 12 says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside, go outside the camp, and bear the reproach he endured. And then we kept reading into verse 14. It says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Like, what does that mean? Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And what the author means there is that everything that we have here on earth, the city that we live in, it won't last. It will not last. But the city in heaven that is to come, that's the one that we want to seek. And in that city, there's people from every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation. And in that city, there is no more crying, no more pain, no more tears. So what would it look like for us to move towards people not like us? Because we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in the city that is to come with them one day anyway. What would it look like for us to move towards them and to begin to, to do everything we can to create a culture and a church that reflects the city that is to come? And that's when we realize that that's what it looked like for us to go outside and seek the city. To begin to, to launch churches, to, to plant churches that, that were seeking the city that we're going outside of themselves to seek the city that is to come. So we're sending this team. Here's, here's our how, right? We're sending this team as an extension, an outpost, a location of Christ Community Church, whatever words you want to put in that blank. And, and they're figuring out how to continue to reach people in that 87%, to reach people that, that don't know Jesus and that aren't connected to the bride of Christ. You know, when a baby is born, there are a lot of things that you don't know about that baby. There are a lot of things that that baby can't provide for itself when, when you have a new child. Sometimes it's even hard to agree upon what you're going to name the child, right? There's just a lot of dynamics to having a baby. When we think about birthing a church, uh, there are many similarities. In much the same way, we're sending the Midland launch team knowing that there are a lot of things that we don't know about this church. And there are a lot of things that they can't provide for themselves yet. But we also know that it's healthy to reproduce and to see the life cycle happen. And so for, for now, like what this looks like is it's going to be called Christ Community Church at Midland. And we're going to share vision. We're going to share mission. We're going to share budget. We're going to share resources and leaders. 
We're going to share ministries, Love Shelbyville Days, community groups. We're going to share a bunch of stuff as we continue to figure out together what it looks like to, to plant churches and seek the city that is to come. But it's all held really loosely as God grows the church, not us. And as we continue to plant gospel seeds. Sending. Step two is gospeling. Gospeling. Once Paul and Barnabas are sent, they begin to go to these cities. And when they get into these cities, they start to mix things up. They start to share the good news of Jesus. And, and it's kind of crazy what happens. You see it in all of these passages in the next two chapters. Like They're just all over the place telling people who Jesus is. Uh, verses like, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. Uh, 1344 says, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word. And, and it goes on and on and on. 1421 and 22 says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Paul and Barnabas were jumping into communities, mixing it up and, and sharing the gospel. And, and as believers, don't we all want to get on on that? We, we, we kind of want to jump in with them. We want to be a part of that. And there's a ton of stories that can be inserted here as to what that's looked like with Midland. And so I'll just tell the most recent one that, that gets me excited. Dennis and Jenny Paiva, um, who are on the launch team, they made a family commitment to just go and be um, at the field in Midland on Tuesday nights. And so this past Tuesday, they were there with uh, some other members of the launch team, and um, they'd gotten a soccer ball out, and they're just playing soccer. And their little boy, Luca, um, who is awesome, Lucas spotted some kids across the street, and he looked up and he said, can somebody help me cross the street so I can go ask those kids to be my friend and play with me? I thought, man, that is awesome, right? That is a picture of what it looks like God can work in that open door, in that heart that says, I just want to go and meet people, and I want to share with them uh, who I am, and who I am is, is something that is birthed out of Christ. I love that. I have no doubt that Jesus will use our willing hearts. So we have to just keep gospeling people, right? This whole process is also just a great reminder that there are people in your life and in your circle that need to fill the seats that this team will leave um, vacant. Because it won't be long, right, before God begins to, to burden our hearts for another community of people that, that needs gospeling. Sending, gospeling, and the third step is enduring. Enduring. As Paul and Barnabas were going, as they were preaching the word, as they were serving people and sharing with them the good news, they were having to endure a lot. Acts 13.8 says, But Elemas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. There's going to be people that disagree with them. There's going to be people that don't want them to succeed. Uh, Acts 13.50 says, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. There's going to be people that try to isolate them. Acts 14.2, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. People are going to talk, right? People are going to talk and they're going to say, I don't understand. Why would they want to do this? Do they not care about the other churches in the community? That's the furthest thing from the truth. Acts 14, 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. I hope no one gets stoned. Remember that analogy of birthing a baby? That's a hard process to endure, and I'm not even going to pretend like I understand it. 
Remember the passion of Paul and Barnabas to see these cities reached? They had a lot to endure. They thought that Paul was dead after he had been stoned. And I'm not even going to pretend like I understand it. But do we also see all the, the difficulties and the uncertainties and the potential divisions that sending Midland can create? There's going to be a lot to endure. And we have to be ready. I remember sitting with Philip early in this process, and I just asked him the question, what scripture drives you? What, what scripture like, really makes you tick? And his answer came from the parable of talents when the master responds, well done, good and faithful servant. That is at the heart of enduring. Knowing that if God called you to it, he'll bring you through it. Knowing that God never changes. Knowing that he is faithful. Knowing that God loves us and is committed to us despite our sins and our failures. We send, we gospel, and we endure. We do all of those things because it's a picture of how God has already loved us. And whatever your story is today, this is the piece, this is the part that, that not one of us can miss. That God sent his only son that whoever believed in him wouldn't die, but that he would have eternal life. And he did that. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He brought with him the good news of the gospel. That we don't have to, to be burdened by our sins, but that we can live in the freedom of knowing him. And in that, because of that, he calls us to endure. And he promises us that nothing will prevail against this church. Nothing. That nothing would separate us from the love of Jesus. There is nothing that can separate us if we will be faithful and obedient to endure with the love of Christ. And so, that's how. And the question becomes, what can I do to join the mission? You preach that gospel to yourself every day. You remind yourself when you wake up that God loves you. That God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. If that doesn't change the way you view the rest of your day, think about it a little longer. You preach the good news of Jesus to yourself and you remind yourself that nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. You endure the awkwardness and the discomfort that comes with, with just stepping out and taking the gospel with you because you've preached to yourself the good news of Jesus that reminds you that Jesus has taken your old life and made it new. You endure because you remember that Jesus called you to go and to make disciples, no matter what the cost. Acts 14 closes with a snapshot of Paul and Barnabas's homecoming. <clears throat> Before we read that, I just want to invite the band to come back up with us. Acts 13 and 14, we see this story, right? They've the Antioch elders, they know, and, and it's time for them to, to send, and they send Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas are faithful. They go. They share the gospel. They endure. They, they go to all of these cities, and they see churches planted. And we read this from the, the message version about them coming back. It says, Paul and Barnabas handpicked leaders in each church. After praying, their prayers intensified by fasting. They presented these new leaders to the master to whom they had entrusted their lives. Working their way back through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia and preached in Perga. Finally, they made it to Italia and caught a ship back to Antioch, where it had all started. Launched by God's grace and now safely home by God's grace. A good piece of work. 
And on arrival, they got the church together and reported on their trip, telling in detail how God had used them to throw the door of faith wide open so people of all nations could come streaming in. And then they settled down for a long, leisurely visit with the disciples. That's a picture worth repainting. A picture of faithful ministry, a picture of people coming back together to celebrate the gospel, to celebrate life change, to visit with one another and encourage one another. So Midland Launch Team, go, be sent, share the gospel, endure. And then may we all look forward to celebrating how the good news of Jesus has thrown wide open the door of faith for people of all nations in our community to come streaming in. Imagine. Imagine what it will look like, the stories that we will hear as people far from Jesus come near to him. Imagine what it will look like when people that we would never associate ourselves with become brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we go, and that's why we sin. We're going to take a moment to remember Jesus. We do that by taking together in the Lord's Supper. And as they sing, and as as we all sing, you can come forward and take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice. And, And that's something that we do as believers who have been baptized in Christ. Because we remember why we go. We remember why we're sent. But maybe today you're not a believer. Maybe today you're a believer who hasn't, understand, hasn't understood your purpose. Maybe today you've heard the good news of the gospel fresh. That Jesus died for you and that, and that gives you purpose and it gives you passion and it gives you a reason to go. There's going to be people who are available to pray with you in the back. We would love nothing more than to hear your story and to help you figure out what your next step is. And as we we do this, as we sing, may we remember at the heart of this, we're going to send the team after this, okay? But may we remember in the heart of our gathering today. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Dying, coming full of grace and truth to set us free so that nothing could separate us from the love of God you stand with me and we're going to pray together as we enter this time. Heavenly Father, when you call us out, when you call us to step out, our human response is, also, is, is often faith mixed with fear. And so God, I pray that you would strike fear from our hearts today. I pray that you would give each of us the faith to take our next step, whatever that looks like. I pray, God, that you would be with this team of people that that have stepped out and said, we want to go, not for ourselves, but for the sake of the gospel. So that the gospel, the good news, the good news that sets people free could be made known to those who have maybe never heard it or trusted Jesus. God, if there are people in this place this morning who have never trusted Jesus. Maybe they've heard of him, maybe they they know him, but, but they've never trusted him with their life and their decisions. God, I pray that you would call them out. I pray that you would call them out to, to a deeper understanding of you, to a, to a life lived for you. God, in this time as we sing, 
as we respond, as we take communion. Would you speak to our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to respond however you need to now.